0: The point of this is to provide the best facts-driven show that we possibly can. Ideally, you have a glue guy who is good. Hashtag blue guy, hashtag locker room guy. You can't go sign Bobby Hole Leak to a trillion dollars. You can't do these things. Very satisfying. The absolute best NYR show in town. This
1: is the Liberty Blue. Rangers Podcast. Rangers Podcast. With Andrew Chelby,
0: Chelby and Nick Zeraris. Zeraris. Rangers fans, welcome to the best Rangers podcast in town. I am Andrew Chelney, alongside Nick Zeraris, and we are Liberty Blue. We scream about the Rangers so that you can save your voice. That's how deeply we care about you, and we appreciate that you've joined us for the ride. This is episode 41, live on Twitter, Twitch, and YouTube. Full video will be up on our YouTube page, Liberty Blue Podcast, and the audio version will be available wherever you get your podcasts as well. Search Liberty Blue on your favorite podcast platform, and it should be there. Give the show that shiny and illustrious five-star review on Apple Podcasts. It helps the show, and Spotify as well, helps the show way more than think it does. At Liberty Blue Pod on Twitter and Instagram, I am at Chelney Andrew, C-H-E-L-N-E-Y Andrew. Alongside Nick Zararis Nick Z-A-R-A-R-I-S. Those are our personal Twitter handles to follow as well.
1: Nick, maybe the Rangers uh, are okay after all, huh? Hey it's a crazy how fast a week can change things you play four games in 6 days you take care of business in and- all four of them you play pretty resoundingly well in all of them you blow two teams out out you take advantage of what's in front of you it's similar to kind of what happened last year after the deadline where the rangers went on that stretch where they went i believe it was 10-1-2 the first 13 games after the deadline and really put it on and the one pushback you would get from people was even though they were playing well at five on five they weren't beating good teams You can only beat who's in front of who's in front of you, whoever's on your schedule. All you can do is play who's in front of you. You beat the bad teams handily. That's all you can do. You want style points, they gave you style points. They did the tic-tac-toe stuff over the weekend. They absolutely bullied the predators. Like, I genuinely felt bad for the predators (laughs) by the end of that first period. Like they dragged UC Soros on his day off into that game. And the first shot he faces beats him over glove hand. Like at that point, you might as well just. There's nothing you can do at that point. Uh, you running clock, no penalties. Like let's keep it moving here. Like Sam Rosen semility. wanted
0: a mercy rule.
1: <laughs> yeah, no. When you when you're getting bullied by Sam and Joe, who are like, they never call anybody out ever uh, for playing poorly on either team. When you're getting made fun of by Sam and Joe, who, that's when you know you're. Ha- it's not your day. <laughs> <laughs> Sam and Joe are the most mellow, kind hearted. Like, no matter how bad the game is going for one team, they've always got something nice to be- say about somebody. They made sure to give David Poyle his, you know, David Poyle, great hockey man. They gave him that midway through right, the right, second. Right, right. Period. Even
0: though, like, you know, one sale like, of appearance in thirty years and a whole lot of whole lot of mid in Nashville, and a whole lot of oh. you know, we're 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 good enough to make the playoffs, but not good enough for
1: anything else. Andrew, whole lot know? of mid in Nashville. We- we ride with mid now. The weed today yeah. is too strong. That'll That's... have you asleep. <laughs> we ride with mid, Andrew. I guess Come so. I
0: guess we do. I guess we do. Well, the thing about this past week is that, like, they didn't just win. Well, in, in Washington, they kind of almost blew it, but they won, so I guess it's, you know. it's because nah, the... the
1: goals they conceded were at the point where the game was kind of out of hand, and you could tell they weren't being aggressive offensively. <laughs> right, but... So they're just, the way the Ranger style is set up, it's not going to lend itself to just turtling. Because the Rangers are not a a sound fundamentally defensive team. No, they're not. Their entire style of defense is predicated upon letting the other team shoot, getting the puck, and going the other way quickly, which is something I want to talk about because I went and did a lot of digging and found some interesting data to support that. But yeah, I I, I completely agree with you. They let Washington back into the game, but I wasn't worried about it. I wasn't
0: worried about it. Well, it got, it got a little closer than I would have liked, of, of course. See, the, the, the Rangers dominated the game for a whole chunk of it. And then they kind of were just like, ah, this game is over. And then Washington was like, Whoa, hold on there. We're still here and we're still trying to at least compete. I know, they, I know we were sellers at the deadline, but hey, you know, don't count us out just yet. So then they scored the, those two goals and all of a sudden, oh boy, oh boy, here they go again but the rangers held on they won all good and then you get to you get to thursday which was that pittsburgh ma- uh, rematch and they played well like the, genuinely they they for the for they nearly played a, a really solid 60 minutes there were a couple of bits and pieces here and there that you know they they, they, they didn't look great but overall props to them on thursday they played uh, they played a really solid game and then this past weekend i mean if you say anything <laughs> Hey, there's not a whole lot you could say negatively negatively about this past weekend. You beat the Pittsburgh Penguins 6-0. Yes, they were down defensemen. They were down players. They were injured. You still have to beat whoever's in front of you, as we were talking about before the show started. Like the Rangers can't just magically put three good players on the Penguins and say, hey, this is a fair fight. We're, you know, this is how we're gonna play now. Like you can't just trade. Adam Fox of the Penguins for a game and say, oh, you know, come back here and then we'll play. You can't do that, right? So you can only beat who's in front of you. They destroyed the Penguins. And then the very next night, they come out against Nashville and score six. They scored what? Six goals in one period. Like there's it's it's they look like a team that is going to to the playoffs because a couple of weeks ago they look like a team that just like kind of didn't care or were skating
1: to go to the playoffs not that was going to the right exactly
0: and and now they look like a team that is going to the playoffs and is expecting a whole lot from themselves as a result they are not just making it there you know But on the last day, on the last game of the season, this is a team that is comfortably going to make the playoffs. And over these past few games, they have showed who they can really be.
1: So one of the interesting things that's part of this was we talked about it specifically last week, the week before, where the attention to details. Did you have puck support? Were you breaking through the neutral zone with speed? Were you creating secondary scoring chances? You saw all of that kind of get put together at various points over those four games. You mentioned the Thursday game in particular. I know the score was the closest of all of the games over the last week. I think Thursday is arguably the best game they played all season in terms of the environment that game was in. They made Pittsburgh play the game the way the Rangers wanted to play where it was up-and-down transition. They caught the Penguins on pinches. They caught the Penguins in transition. The Rangers were able to dictate that game in a way that they haven't been able to against a team that was playing well up until that third Ranger goal. When the Penguins got it closer, I was starting to see, okay, let's see what happens. And the reason I was encouraged the way they played that game, the only two Penguin goals happened in that game because of Ranger mistakes. It's not that they got outplayed. It's not that the Penguins did something effective. It's that... Keandre Miller forces a bad backhand across trying to it's the only play he has I understand it because he can't reverse behind the net he can't go forward because of the forecheck I understand that so he only has that one pass it's a great job by Sid it's why he's one of the best players ever that even at this age he's still trying that hard making that play in that game but that's an encouraging sign that you got the game going on your terms you made another team play the way you want to play. We were talking about it before. Pittsburgh's kind of going through it right now. They're down three defensemen. They're down a forward or two. Marcus Patterson
0: that, on IR as well. Yeah, like they, yeah. they don't have defensemen really that can defend unless your no. name is Chris Letang. Their blue and they're line playing is looking that poor dude
1: a good yeah. 28, 29 minutes a night. And we're in March. Like yeah. even if the penguins get in, that's a and fodder lineup with that yeah. goaltending situation. I mean, Yari's obviously been hurt. He came back early for earlier from his injury than he was supposed to. And he hasn't played well since coming back from that no. injury in late January. So they've kind of been struggling. So one of the little things I think that really jumped out, to me, especially on Thursday, was the puck support was there. They waited for the game to develop before they started looking for those long stretch passes because they were effectively breaking out. The Penguins were having to give them more room. The Penguins were having to drop deeper in the neutral zone because the Peng- the Rangers were making short passes. Usually when the Rangers have played the Penguins, when the Penguins have beat the Rangers, I should say, the Rangers are trying to force that long stretch pass to somebody who's already in the neutral zone against the defenseman or a forward in the neutral zone that's already playing up. So with a little more room, you can skate into that and you can go. Because the Rangers were effectively breaking out, they were getting hemmed in their own zone for extended periods of time. They were able to effectively break out. And you got those transition goals. You got the Zabinujad breakaway. You got the Tyler Mopp breakaway. That's highly encouraging that the Rangers are finally figuring out this is what our skill set is. How can we play the way we want to play and they're starting to do it at the right time. Last week, we said maybe the Rangers aren't okay because they put together three lackluster efforts in a row against mediocre and bad teams. That you know, That's yeah. concerning. Yeah. They, they only scored two against Buffalo, only two against Montreal. That, I think, and we've said they not care enough attention to detail. I think the word we're looking for here it looks like they're finally comfortable that mm-hmm. they know what they want to be doing. So they know what they need to do to get there. There was a, clearly a feeling out process going on. God bless. I can't wait for Lingren to be back. I hope it's <laughs> he tomorrow. Should be back it's tomorrow.
0: That's what, so, that's what Gallant said. I don't, I don't know if that's true or not. Cause he hasn't 100% been honest with the media in his tenure as a head coach in the NHL. But Hey, I mean, if he's back, if Lingren's back tomorrow, that's, that'd be great. Uh, it was very nonchalant, I will say. In the in the games leading up to this past week, the Rangers were I think we did say careless at that on the last week's episode, but they, they were, were forcing. It. They were they nonchalant. Were they were they were trying to force things, as you said. They were trying to force things. They were very just nonchalant on plays that they needed to needed to have some kind of effort on, especially defensively. But over the course of this past week, they've done a much better job of not only taking that nonchalantless and push nonchalantless. I don't know if that's a word or not, but you know what. It is now. So they've taken that and they've pushed it to the side, and they've grouped together and and said to themselves, "This we have to figure out how to play now together as a group before it's too late." Because if you get to round, if you get to game one, round one on the playoffs, and you still don't really know how to play off of your line mates and your teammates, that's a recipe for disaster. But if you go into round one, game one of the playoffs, and you've played the way that you've wanted to play for two, three, four weeks. That's a much different team. That is a team that is well oiled, that knows how to play off of each other, how to support each other defensively, offensively, in in the, you know, at at center ice as well, at at all points of the ice, how to play off of your teammates and know when to push, when to fall back, et cetera, et cetera. These are minutiae of the game, especially that is highlighted, especially at the biggest stage come playoff time and the rangers right now have have looked like they have figured that part out the minutia is one of the most important aspects of professional hockey at lower levels it, it's not as highlighted because these these athletes are not at top of their game these are the best athletes to play the sport every little detail is highly criticized and 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 highlighted and everything else when you have a team like the Rangers right now over the course of the past four games, they have looked like a team that said, these are the bullet points that we've had to work on and they have worked on them and they've looked good.
1: So one interesting point, I think that they've been, They tried really hard to accommodate the guys they brought in and maybe overcompensated a little bit, trying to get them up to speed as fast as they could, as opposed to just letting them get settled in. Nobody likes being asked, Are you okay? You having fun? Just let them be. Get them settled in. If they need something, they'll ask for it. These are professionals. They're in their late 30s or in their mid 30s or late 20s. They know what they need to do to be successful. Just get them settled in. And I think something that's working now and I think it's important is they've found a way to minimize what guys aren't good at so the obvious thing is some of their forwards have real defensive deficiencies they have masked that by playing them with other players who have defensive upside the obvious one and they are still conceding a lot when Patrick Kane is on the ice But because they are playing him with Kane and Trocek, two guys who have historically been good at suppressing scoring chances against, they are still conceding a lot of chances, and they do give up a fair share of goals. But they aren't conceding as many as I kind of feared they would. And they are generating enough offensively that... If it's a 50-50 proposition with them on the ice where the goal's four just splits right down the middle, you take that from the, your second line. If your second line is 50% of the goal share when they're on the ice, you take that. Because not a lot of teams are going to have a third line or, frankly, a fourth line, which I want to talk about, too, because the Rangers' fourth line has been really good in these last couple of games here. And, hell, even in the last 15 games, because mm-hmm. that's kind of that's typically the cutoff point I like to use is a 15-game sample for evaluating blips. But in the last month, VZ and Mott, since they've gotten that fourth line assembled, have been the Rangers' most dangerous lines. Like, if you go and look at the high-danger chances for, VZ and Mott are three, two of the top four guys in high-danger chances for per 60 minutes. And they're getting the puck to the net. That's the beautiful thing about that fourth line is they play the game straight up and down. They make Galant happy. He's got his fixation about we gotta play up and down, we gotta play up and down. Well, Gerard, you've got your fourth line that does that. Let Zabinojad, let Kreider, let Panarin, let Kane, let the high-end guys make the high-end plays and let your guys who whose bread and butter is the high percentage play, the dump it in, go get it. Let your bread and butter guys go and do their thing. And don't ask guys to do what they're not good at. That, I think, is something that we've really seen kind of come through here. And we're going to talk about it a little more defensively because there was an interesting thing I noticed, too, when I was going through and look at the numbers here.
0: And one of the things also that we have to highlight is Barclay Goudreau. When he was playing in the top six, he was out of his element. He didn't contribute a whole lot offensively and defensively, for that matter. But now that he's on the fourth line with, with VC and Mott, as you said... He's looked a lot better. Like, and we have to give him credit for that as well. I mean, there's because he's playing less minutes. That's right. the well, biggest difference. Yes. Like, and he's also playing against first opponents. But like that's that's where he's that's where he thrives. Being on the fourth line, just be, like contract aside, Barclay Gujo, the player, thrives in the bottom six. He's he's on at in the fourth line with those two guys. That has been a solid line. Of course, I mean they're not, you know, scoring a million goals and all these things. But if for for what you want your fourth line to have, you they they grind and they and they really kind of break down the other team when they get off the ice. You, you get the whoever they were on the ice for, like they are they are huffing and puffing and getting off and getting off for their change. Like this is a this is a fourth line that is going to scare teams come the playoffs because this is not just Mark Donk and Buzz Flibbit who are you know just create a players on the fourth line and like they're just there to to because nobody else can play like these are genuinely solid fourth line guys right now that are playing well together playing well off of each other and are creating chances that other fourth lines right now wouldn't be able to create like this is a legitimate fourth line and you take a look at up and down their forward core And we talked about this at the trade deadline of you getting the Rangers getting Kane and Tarasenko, all these players, makes top six better for sure. But that also makes the bottom six better because you can slide Goudreau down. You don't have to play him top six minutes. You can have your fourth liners play the fourth line. And you know what? The fourth line has
1: looked real good. What a surprise. Yeah, no, Mott and are first and second in high danger chances since since uh, the last since in the last 15 games. I went and looked it up while you were talking to be sure. Yeah, they, they are getting the puck to the net. They are jamming that puck down low. One thing I thought that kind of speaks to the way that the Rangers are finding the way they want to play. You hear me say it all the time, that the Rangers' preferred defensive style is pinching the defenseman towards the middle, forcing the other team to the outside, down the boards, and sh- having the other team... Free reign. Shoot as much as you want from outside the circles, the wall, because those aren't great chances. And the way I know that this bears out, I went and did the math and looked it up. The Rangers' worst pair, Ben Harper and and, uh, Braden Schneider, they are actually not conceding particularly dangerous scoring chances against. When I went and did the expected goals divided by the scoring chances, so what each scoring chance's average value was – They grade out pretty well, which is encouraging. That tells you even though they are conceding a lot of chances – not particularly dangerous ones. Yeah, you don't want to be hemmed in your own zone for 45 seconds a minute. That's a challenging way to play hockey. When you're on defense, it's harder. Defense is more taxing. It's more physically demanding. That's understandable. But because they are able to withstand those barrages, it's one thing because they also happen to have the highest save percentage while they're on the ice. That's because the shots they're the goaltenders are facing are less challenging. That's how I know all of this stuff is interconnected because the eye test supports that and the numbers bear it out as well, which is really what's encouraging is that everything's kind of lining up now. You're starting to see the transition play come together because when the Rangers' defense is working right, they're only conceding one or two chances against when the other team has a zone entry, and then they're going the other way quickly. And then they're getting a scoring chance pretty much within two, three seconds of entering the zone. That's the way they want to play. The cross-scene passes, the the below-the-goal line. And if they have to, they're an okay cycle team. But we haven't run into that issue yet, and that's one last point I want to get in here before I throw it over you. Part of what worked for them so well in these last four games is – They played teams that wanted to trade chances because they're not particularly good defensively. And they're less talented, to be frank, Washington, Pittsburgh, Nashville, less talented teams than the Rangers. And in a track meet against a less talented team, the Rangers were able to say, OK, we can do this. That's easy. And they've made it look pretty damn easy, making the other teams pinch in, burning them with speed, going the other way. That's what makes the next two games against Carolina, which is a rigid, one of the most rigidly structured teams in the entire league so interesting, is that the Rangers have shown the ability to play well in this track meet style of game. And they've historically, dating two or three coaches back, have struggled against well-structured fundamental teams. Carolina's a little bit different. For whatever reason, they've always played Carolina particularly well, but I think that's more of the Rangers just having better high-end players as opposed to a deeper lineup. But now that the Rangers have a relatively deep lineup and those same high-end players, I think that real advantage that. Carolina might think it has, especially without Svechnikov isn't there anymore. But yeah, I just wanted to report on that because I found it good to see that the data and the eye test are backing each other up.
0: It's interesting, too, because Ben Harper won't be hopefully won't be playing for much longer. If If Lingard comes back potentially tomorrow and hopefully there won't be any more injuries to important people on the especially on the blue line for <laughs> back on your desk. until yeah, until until, you know, until the end of the season it's it's really good to see that hey, like obviously when 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 Lindgren comes back, Fox and Lindgren don't really give up a whole lot. Keandra Miller and Jacob Truba do, but you know that's a whole that's it's
1: in the same tier. It's yeah. in the same category because again, it's not a coincidence that Truba has been on the ice for the most scoring chances against and the most expected goals against. He's their most used defenseman. he plays the most minutes. but right. again, not particularly dangerous scoring chances against the shot. The average scoring chance Truba concedes is worth 4.04 expected goals, which means that shot has a 4% chance of resulting in a goal. If that is what you are conceding, you can live with that. They got to clean up the high danger stuff. That's the concern with the Truba Miller pairing. It always is. They don't pass guys off to each other. Well, in front of their own net, which speaks to it being a pair issue, not a one guy issue. But again, Signs well, of improvement.
0: Right. And the one thing that we have to highlight is that Nico Mikola has played really well. Like,
1: th- they missed a lot of that, dude.
0: He's played really well. And it, there has to be credit given to him. Like, he's not scoring hat tricks. He's not, but he's doing so many of the little things right that really have, sh- like, I don't want to say shelled, but kind of like masked the fact that Lindgren isn't there. Because while Nico Mikola obviously isn't Ryan Lindgren and and Lindgren is a is vastly needed on this team immediately. Please come back; we miss you. Nigo Mikola has been solid in, in in all of the minutes that Gerard Gallant has thrown him out there with all different kinds of defensive pairings. He's been he's he's is he's, he's done more than I feel like a lot of Rangers fans have expected him to to be. Because if you if you remember back when the Rangers initially made that trade, Tarasenko was the biggest piece. And Nico Mikola was, I don't want to say the throw in, but a lot of Rangers fans like didn't know what to expect or thought like, hey, this was, you know, a depth defenseman, a six defenseman, somebody who is better than Ben Harper. But that's about his ceiling. He's come in and he's been playing heavy minutes When he got he's played heavy minutes before the cane trade when they were down defenseman and they needed and they needed. Guys to step up. He played well then. He's playing well now. And it and it goes, you know, it needs to be highlighted that in in the in the times that he's been needed to step up, Nico Mikul has done a solid job.
1: So while you were doing that, I was curious because I went and looked. Would you be surprised if I told you he's got the worst goals against of any of the six defensemen? Like worse than Fox, worse than Truba, worse than Miller over the last 15 games? Because that's what the numbers say. The reason yeah. and I, well, hang on hang on. I got a point. I got a point. The reason. It doesn't feel like that is because the Rangers are scoring a ton of goals when he is on the ice because he is playing with Fox and something else. And I want to talk about this in the next segment is that the one line that's still kind of struggling is the kid line. And that's more so they've been porous defensively and they're not scoring, which some of that is just bad luck. The shooting percentage is really low, but to the point about Mikola, a lot can be masked by the offense playing well, and that's the way this team is built. Uh, they're going to be oriented on offense. The defense is not as good as it looks on paper. It just isn't. Uh, everybody thinks the defense is a strong point of this team. I know the it's national not. media in particular loves to highlight the fact that they play. They've got a really good 5-6 defenseman, but on paper, yes. In practice, not no. their game. The thing for the Rangers is going to be what happens when they play a team that is willing to make that extra pass, that is going to grind them out and maintain that long zone time. Because the quick strike offense only works if you've been defending for 10, 15 seconds. If you've been in your own zone for 45 seconds, you get a clear and a change, they're going right back in and you're right back where you started from. So that'll be a real good way to see if they're making the progress we think they are is how they play against more fundamentally structured teams like Carolina, who we're gonna see really shortly.
0: Well, the thing about Mikola, and I'm not necessarily surprised by by your finding, the thing about that is he's not supposed to be a top two defenseman. So while no. he's he's on the ice with Fox and he's you know he's been tried with a bunch of different people, he's played better than expected. While yep. while the save percentage, as you mentioned, is is lower and, and their score, but they are scoring a ton with him on the ace, So it's OK. Like it kind of masks that he's meant to be the third pair defenseman. So the fact that he's been moved up playing with Adam Fox, sure, but playing against other teams, top lines, top pairing, the top stars that each team has. And he's been. More than serviceable because if if you if you do that with Ben Harper, the Rangers are going to lose nine four every game. Like you just you can't do that. But but Nico Mikola was put in a tough spot, and despite the low save percentage, as you as you mentioned, he's for the most part looked okay. Like he's been fine. Sure, he's better on the bottom pairing, but Lindgren has been out, and they've needed Mikola to play top two minutes, and. Despite, you know, some there being some issues for the most part, he's more than held his own, and that needs to be
1: highlighted and praised. Okay, we're 25 minutes of the episode and we haven't talked about the goaltending yet. You got two of the best goaltending performances of the season in the last couple games. Saturday was Shesterkin's single best goal saved above expected game. 3.3, pitched a shutout. Halak, second best start of the year. He had a better start back in like October against the Flyers, but that was his second best start of the season. The goaltending has been kind of meh most of the season. So it's not a coincidence that the Rangers are on this kind of nice little heater and they're simultaneously getting the best shooting and goaltending results they've gotten all season. And again, that speaks to the underlying philosophy of the team working, that because the other team isn't shooting dangerous chances, the goaltenders are more likely to save them. Even if it's a lot of volume, it's not a ton of quality. That means the defensemen can get the puck out faster, they can go to offense faster, they can score more goals, because they're getting more chances on that. that it's all interconnected. Like you said in the first segment, the minutiae and the details – those are all how everything works. you got to think about a hockey team like the human body, the bones, the muscles, the ligaments, the tendons, the nervous system, all these things, they all play off of each other. It's hard to be a good team if one of the pieces isn't working, if you don't have the talent, if you don't have the system, if you can't find the style to play within that system. So the fact that everything's kind of lining up, it tells you that the possibility for something really special is there. It's just a matter of capturing it now and making it replicable. It's great. They've done it for four games. Now sure. you got to start rattling it off where even if you lose a game here yeah. or there, which they're going to, they're not going to win the next 12 in a row. they just, it's not, that's not the way hockey works. Sure. You got to be able to, Oh, we took a loss. Okay. You yeah. got to be able to get up from it. You can't let it snowball. That's what I'm curious to see now is how the first real game with adversity goes after this nice little stretch where everybody's feeling good about themselves. Because historically, the Rangers have not played well after going on nice little heaters. They will come out and lay a stinker, bad first period, have to play from behind. So there's a lot of little trends that all lead up to good results like this. But now that you've seen what's possible, how can you make it possible consistently?
0: The biggest test right now for the Rangers, if you look at the schedule, is not the next three games, but the next four. And you've got New Jersey and Buffalo at the end of the month, sure. The next four games are home against Carolina, then Thursday away at Carolina, then Saturday at Florida, and the next Tuesday is home against columbus the reason why i highlight columbus is because they're a, they're the worst team in the nhl and the rangers for a good chunk of this whole season rangers have, lost to columbus back in the have, fall. have played poorly against bad teams they show up thinking it this game doesn't matter who cares It and they just lay an egg that game is important because the rangers have shown a tendency to kind of wing these kinds of games these next three games uh, with with Columbus as an aside, it really is going to
1: show. Don't sleep me on Florida. Do not sleep on Florida. Florida Has
0: been red hot. They've won seven of their past ten. They are desperate to make the playoffs. They are one point behind Pittsburgh. Same amount of games played. Pittsburgh. Uh, Florida has been on a heater. They are they are trying. They're. Clawing their way to a—I mean, I get their Panthers, right? So they have to claw. They are clawing their way. I'll be here all week to a to a playoff spot. They're trying their best here. And Saturday's game, Florida is going to throw the kitchen sink at the Rangers, trying to win this game. They are doing everything they possibly they will do, everything they possibly can to win that game. And against Carolina, you know, you beat. Teams that are injured in Pittsburgh and teams that are out of it, like I guess at this point, you know, the Capitals and Nashville. Okay. You've, you've beaten those teams. Carolina right now is one of the best teams in the entire league. You play these next two games well and that that's going to be a huge statement. You go you and then on Saturday you play against Florida, a team that will do everything in its power to get two points out of the game. How do you play that kind of 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 desperate offense? How are you going to respond? This is a Florida Panthers team that is hungry, desperate. They are they're going to, you know, throw hits and they they will essentially I don't know what kind of defense you're going to play, but they will essentially try to score 11, 12, 15 goals just to hopefully win the game. So how do you respond with a home and home against one of the best teams in the league, followed by a team that is absolutely desperate for two points? And then, you know, you come back home against a team that is awful. These next four games are really going to dictate, for me, my kind of like how what is what is the rangers mentality right now what is going through their collective minds with after these next four games because we don't have to guess we'll see when when they play these next four games we will see what their collective thought process is if i'm not saying they have to win all of these four games it probably should be columbus though let's be honest with ourselves here but they don't necessarily have to win these That's next how they three play next three games. But if they play well, then it's fine. Yeah. They have to play well, and that's not just, you know, scoring a bunch of goals, it's how do they support each other? Like we talked about before, the minutia of the game. If they if their minutia is on point and they lose 3 to 2 off of a shot that hits eight people in front of the net and it goes in, whatever. But if they lay an egg like they like they were a couple of weeks ago, that's a problem. But if they play well together,
1: then I have high hopes. So one last thing I want to get in here before we start wrapping up. Kidline's kind of been in a struggle the last few weeks. It's fair to say. They've been really poor defensively, and because they're not scoring, it's really getting highlighted that they're not scoring enough, and the defense has been an issue. It seems like this is going to be the top nine. Uh, There's probably a line juggle at some point over the next 12 games just because that's the way Gallant is. I would like if there is one, to see a way if they can get The offense out of them again Because they rode the nice a nice little shooting Binge during early February When they were the only line that was going at 5 On 5, but right now the shooting Percentage, it's pretty low, it's 4, it's 6, it's 5% For Hito, Kako, Lafreniere So that tells you they're getting a little bit Unlucky, they're probably not generating as Good of scoring chances against, and they gotta Tighten up defensively, they, yeah. and they've yeah. Had the luxury of playing with Fox the most of any of the four line combinations and because i went and looked they've got t- pretty twice as much F- they the uh the kid lines played 43 minutes with fox every other line is 22 minutes 21 minutes 20 minutes so that goes to show you that they're trying to protect them defensively and they're still not getting enough defensively and they have the luxury of fox with them in the offensive zone and they're not getting uh, goals yeah they're generating some decent looks but without fox they get killed at both ends with fox they can at least generate a little bit of offense and they still aren't great defensively. So I'm really curious to see if they can get that line going again.
0: Yeah, that's, you know, it's one of these things where we we praise the kids when they do well, but that we have to also highlight the fact that like, hey, Hedo had a really, he had a gorgeous goal against Nashville. Sure, like that was a, that was an awesome goal. But over the past few weeks or so, like the kid line hasn't really done a whole lot. Like they, they have been... Given up a lot, a lot defensively, as you've mentioned, and offensively, like yeah, there's been a couple of, you know, posts and just great saves and just uh, like the luck hasn't been there. But if you play your your top defenseman, kind of glued to this one line, that should tell you like, hey. You ain't doing, much. you ain't doing so well defensively. Like the, the you isn't throwing Ben Harper out with them, and 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 says, "Hey, good luck, kids, have fun." Like the, he's he's actively throwing the best defenseman they have out there on the ice with that line, and they're still not great defensively. So it, it, it's kind of scary to think about what they would look like with Ben Harper. But that's, that's not the point. Like they. They really need to to figure some things out defensively. Now they they still have you know a, a handful of games before the playoffs. I would imagine for at least a few of them at the kid line will stay together because like it's it's tough to to do line juggling and Gal- Galant will do the, do it anyway because that's Jar Galant, But it's tough to do line juggling when three out of three out of your four lines are clicking, working yeah. and they're working. So how do you juggle one line? with themselves. It's tough to do that. I'm sure Gallant will just kind of, especially maybe at game 80, 81, 82, he will try to do some of that juggling just to see. Maybe there's a hidden spark with Kane and Lafreniere, or I don't know, or you know, just just some kind of mix, mix, mix and matching that just works. And then you get to the playoffs and everything just works. Maybe that happens. But I would imagine that in the last few games when the standings are the standings and the Rangers have an X next to their name and all they got to do is make it to the playoffs unharmed, I'm sure Gallant will maybe sit some guys and play Brodzinski half an hour and Ben Harper gets 45 minutes a game and all these things. Like I'm sure Gallant will try try some things then. But as of right now, I mean, we we praise them when they do well. But right now, we kind of also have to bring up like, hey, you, you got to step up, especially defensively.
1: The interesting thing here over the next couple of days, we'll wrap up on this because we've got other things to attend to. Got to get this up so people can see it later. The Rangers have Carolina, Carolina, Florida, Columbus, as you mentioned. Carolina has the Rangers, the Rangers, Toronto, Boston. The Devils have Minnesota, Buffalo, Ottawa, the Islanders. There's a very real world where by next week when we're doing this, that the Devils are in first place and the Rangers could be in second place. There's a very real world where the entire Metro flip-flops within the next week based on how this goes. I mean, that's a brutal four-game stretch for Carolina yeah. at a key point in their season. And the Devils, yeah, they've got they've gotten kind of lean here the last couple of weeks. Brad's gone a little while without scoring. They haven't unlocked Meyer yet fully. I know Brad had a hat a trick the other day, and that was good to see him get going for them. But for the Devils, I, I'm very curious to see how they fared on the stretch here as such a young team, not a lot of experience. Experience, a couple guys who have experience with other organizations. But Carolina's kind of in a weird spot right now. The Devils have kind of dried up offensively the last few weeks and the goaltending. They've been relying on Akira Schmidt a lot the last few weeks. It's really getting interesting all of a sudden.
0: It is, especially when you take a look at Carolina and you can't predict a, an injury like sveshnikov you just no. can't and it's it's a t- it's brutal for them like they were playing so well with him and if i was a hurricanes fan i'd be sick to my stomach because Offensively, did they get a, a weapon that's as powerful as Svechnikov? The answer, of course, is no. Of course, they got Gosses Bear on the back and, you know, like they, they made some good moves, but but did they quote unquote replace Svechnikov's play on this? And the answer, of course, is no. And they couldn't account for that. So they're down one of their best players. The Devils, as you mentioned, are a very scary team and a team that I, I'd rather not see in the playoffs, but. They don't have a lot of experience, as you mentioned. Also, they're a team that you get to round two, round three, and and if they get to the cup final, they're a team that could crumble under the spotlight. I don't know if they would or not. Like that's that's not up to me, and, nor you, to or really anybody to decide. It's up, to the, it's up to the the guys in the locker room to, to figure that out. But they are, by all accounts, a young team that hasn't been there before. They, they have some pieces here and there that you know Timo Meyer has 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 been as was he was he a part of that 2016 run I don't what I don't, remember. Keep I don't talking. remember anyways but like they a lot of their top guys this is their first foray into the playoffs and not just that being a favorite in the playoffs you have guys like Jack Hughes who hasn't made the playoffs before this is this is his first time on the big he has okay well he wasn't on the team but that that furthers my point like they there are a lot of these top guys haven't been there before they haven't been to the the stage where all the lights are on them and this is the playoffs and every single shift every single play is so vastly important to the rest of the game they haven't been there before and the only real experience on that team is dougie hamilton will that make a difference? I don't know, because we've made jokes about the Rangers getting Barclay Goudreau because he has experience, but he's bad at hockey. Like, we've made jokes about that in the past, so will that actually matter come playoffs time? Is that just a talking point for some GMs to overpay players, or is that like genu- genuinely a real thing that plays into the minutia of playoff hockey? The answer is, we don't know, but for for a lot of these guys on the Devils, it'll be their first four eight in this experience. How they'll do is I have no like
1: no one really knows. The, the, the exp- Devils might have the single widest range of outcomes. Of yeah, yeah, game yeah, game for game sure. Conference. I, I, I it could be the Leafs, but I think nobody believes the Leafs can do it unless they win in the first round.
0: round. And then we'll talk about it. Yeah, I mean the Devils one of the biggest concerns with me if, I, if i'm a devils fan is their goaltending like they yeah, of their offense is there their defense is is pretty solid will their goaltending stack up to playoff hockey we have no idea and that's a really good point by you when you said they have a, a the widest range is because they could either go all the way or they can f- flail out in the first round like we gen- we genuinely have no idea. There are certain teams like the Boston Bruins, which if they lose in the first round, will be just I will I will refuse to believe it. I'll be watching the games and we'll be refusing to believe that the Bruins will lose in the first round. Like I, I and just gonna be yelling at his TV to turn the Xbox off. <laughs> to, yeah, like it, it it just it will blow my mind. It's like it's like when Columbus swept the Lightning that that, that one that one year. Yeah, now it would be the yeah. same exact situation. Like I guess it could happen in theory, but will it happen? I would bet against it. Like I, I'm, I'm glad I'm not a betting man, but I would definitely bet against the Bruins losing the first round, right? Like the Devils could do any of these things. That's and that is one of the dangers of playing them early. Is like, hey, if they, if they catch on to this playoff thing and they start sk- skating circles around the Rangers, like, you know, we were afraid that they would. That's a problem. But if they You know, if they play somebody else and they either barely make it to the second round or they lose, then the East is, besides Boston, wide open.
1: Oh, I'm looking forward to it. That is the last Ranger game I have tickets to this season is Rangers Devils on the 28th. I'm very much looking forward to that. It's going to be a terrifying experience, but it will be fun. okay that'll do it for this week's episode of the Liberty Blue pod Make sure you are subscribed wherever you get your podcast available on all the major podcasting platforms if YouTube's more your speed we're over there as well full videos all that good stuff you get to see all the pretty little hand gestures and facial expressions and all that kind of stuff me looking over at my other monitor as I'm fact checking things Andrew says in real time gotta be accurate you know gotta do gotta be doing your journalism even if we're doing a podcast That's right yeah for hey,
0: Bayheim's out. We made it. Mayheim's out. Uh, as a as a Syracuse grad that has asked Bayham questions and has gotten uh, not great response out of out of him. Uh, yeah, it, you know it, it was a great run. He has his name on the court, and it'll be there. What, it'll be there until I don't know. Probably the world for, ends. Uh, yeah, the world until the world ends, which could be soon. Well, you know. <laughs> Not to the get Rangers ball. are playing good yeah. at five. Not together, right? The world could listen. 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 The Knicks and the Rangers are both playing really well. Something's up. Something's Something up. Off. Something. Something's going to happen. Uh, you, you can't. You can't have these teams both playing well. Something's going to happen. And the I'm scared to, to find out happened, what it is. The
1: professional athlete led a bunch of police on a chase after committing a double homicide. So. Okay. All right. It's all,
0: we're off the rails now. That's no, we're not. That's exactly what happened
1: the last time uh, the Knicks and Rangers. Uh, yeah, this we're result. all yeah.
0: Uh, Go next, baby. Go New York. Go New York. Go. That's
1: right. Uh, yeah. Make sure you're subscribed. Make sure you're following along on social. Well, we'll see you guys next week. Have a good Later. day.